I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Kings chapters 10 and 11, and then the parallel passage, 2 Chronicles chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels and bare spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of the acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And the navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir brought in from Ophir great plenty of almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almug trees pillars for the house of the Lord, and for the king's house, harps also, and psalteries for singers. There came no such almug trees, nor were seen unto this day. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now the parallel passage is over in Second Chronicles chapter 9. And just for a refresher here, when the exiles returned back to Jerusalem in 535 B.C., Ezra wrote the book of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, as a history lesson to refresh these exiles on Jewish history. So here it is in Second Chronicles chapter 9. Verse 1, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company, and camels that bear spices, and gold in abundance, and precious stones. When she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions, and there was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon in the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, his cupbearers also, and their apparel, 
and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in mine own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not their words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne, to be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel, to establish them forever. Therefore made he thee king over them, to do judgment and justice." And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, great abundance, and precious stones. Neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. And the servants also of Hiram and the servants of Solomon, which brought gold from Ophir, brought algum trees and precious stones. And the king made of the algum trees terraces to the house of the Lord, and to the king's palace, and harps and psalteries for singers. And there were none such seen before in the land of Judah. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which she had brought unto the king. So she turned and went away to her own land, she and her servants. Well, here we go in this passage. The queen of Sheba, having heard about the fame of Solomon, pays him a surprise visit. While there are differing theories regarding where her homeland was, there is no dispute that she traveled a great distance to get to Jerusalem. According to the Expositor's Bible Commentary, Sheba was in southwest Arabia, which is present-day Yemen. Whoa, that's, that's 1,500 miles from Jerusalem. She takes the tour and asks Solomon some very difficult questions, all of which he was more than capable of answering because of the extra dose of wisdom that had been given to him by God. That record is in First Kings chapter three verses five through fifteen, and Second Chronicles chapter one verses seven through seventeen. Now, First Kings chapter ten verse one says she came to prove him with hard questions. The Hebrew word there for hard questions is kidal, and that, by the way, it's it's interesting. It's used seventeen times. The King James translates it nine times as riddle and five times as dark sentences, speeches, or sayings, and twice as hard questions as it is right here, but once as proverb. What an interesting conversation between a king and a queen. At the conclusion of their meetings, she admitted, Yep, you're wise, all right. I mean, the whole trip just left her breathless. That's according to Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 4, where it says there that, there was no more spirit in her. The Hebrew word for spirit there is ruach, and that means breath. It's uh, equivalent to the New Testament Greek word for spirit, which is pneuma. That also means breath or wind. When you add the word holy as a modifier to either of these words in the Old Testament or the New Testament, you get the supernatural power of God, the Holy Spirit or holy wind. But here with the Queen of Sheba, this verse indicates that she was just left breathless. And then she went back home to tell her buddy kings and queens about her findings. Now there's considerable extra-biblical speculation regarding this Queen of Sheba. Islamic tradition claims that she had a son by Solomon who later became a king. 
Ethiopian tradition claims her as an Ethiopian queen who married and bore a child from Solomon. Further development of that position attributes the adoption of Judaism in Ethiopia to the queen's conversion after her visit with Solomon. In 1999, a British team from Bournemouth University, working with archaeologist Dr. Patrick Darlin, became convinced that they had discovered her burial place in Nigeria. But Dr. Darling admits that it's just a theory, one of many theories. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 14 to 29, and 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verses 13 to 29, we see that the rich just keep getting richer. It's always been that way. Verse 14, 1 Kings chapter 10. Now, the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred three score and six talents of gold. Beside that he had of the merchantmen and of the traffic of the spice merchants and of all the kings of Arabia and of the governors of the country. And King Solomon made two hundred talents of beaten gold. Six hundred shekels of gold went to one target. And he made three hundred shields of beaten gold. Three pound of gold went to one shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the best gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round about, and there were stays on either side on the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the stays. And twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other upon the six steps, and there was not the like made in any kingdom." And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were of silver, it was nothing accounted of in the days of Solomon. For the king had at sea a navy of Tarshish with the navy of Hiram. One in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom." And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold and garments and armor and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots, and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt, and linen yarn. The king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price. And a chariot came up and went out of Egypt for six hundred shekels of silver, and a horse for a hundred and fifty. And so for all the kings of the Hittites, and for the kings of Syria, did they bring them out by their means? Now let's go over to Second Chronicles chapter 9, the parallel passage, beginning with verse 13. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was six hundred and threescore and six talents of gold. Beside that which chapmen and merchants brought, and all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made two hundred targets of beaten gold, six hundred shekels of beaten gold went to one target. And three hundred shields made he of beaten gold, three hundred shekels of gold went to one shield. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. And there were six steps to the throne with a footstool of gold, 
which were fastened to the throne, and stays on each side of the sitting place, and two lions standing by the stays. And the twelve lions stood there on one side, and on the other upon the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. And all the drinking vessels of King Solomon were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold, none were of silver. It was not anything accounted of in the days of Solomon." But the king's ships went to Tarshish, and the servants of Hiram every three years once came the ships of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold and raiment, and harness and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots, and 12,000 horsemen, whom he bestowed in the chariots, and with the king at Jerusalem. And he reigned over all the kings from the river even into the land of the Philistines, and to the border of Egypt. And the king made silver in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar trees made he as the sycamore trees that are in the low plains in abundance. And they brought unto Solomon horses out of Egypt, and out of all lands." Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilonite, and in the visions of Iddo the seer against Jeroboam the son of Nebat? Well, in this passage, here's what we see. Solomon was very, very rich. Solomon's kingdom stretched to the boundaries promised to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15. If you'd like to see a map of that territory promised in Genesis chapter 15 and how Solomon had it fulfilled, and actually David during his lifetime had conquered that territory, uh, then there's a link on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today's reading. Click on it and you'll see a map. Solomon was, I mean, rich. He, really, really rich. Well, how rich was he? Well, he was so rich that he made 200 large shields out of gold worth about $100,000 each. He made another 300 shields of gold, smaller, worth about $24,000 each, and he put these on display. I mean, Solomon was so rich that his throne was made out of ivory and gold. He was so rich that silver plates were like our disposable plastic plates, according to 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 21. He was so rich, he collected peacocks. Now, that's rich. Cedar, horses, chariots, Solomon had it all. And his wisdom, well, it was world-renowned. Everybody came to ask Solomon questions. And they brought him gifts when they came. Now, here's what's said of Solomon in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 22. It says, And King Solomon passed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. That's right. Solomon was the richest man in the world. But then we come to 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. And this is an eye-opener, and interestingly enough, there is no parallel for this in Chronicles. They weren't proud of this part of Solomon's history. Because here we find in the first eight verses of 1 Kings chapter 11 that Solomon's weakness was women. Verse 1, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. 
of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burned incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Now, I mean, this is interesting. After talking about all of Solomon's successes in chapter 10, Chapter 11 begins with, But, but King Solomon loved many strange women. Yes, I'm afraid that with everything else Solomon collected in abundance, wives was also on the list. I mean, let me ask this question. If he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, which were second-class wives, would you even remember all of their names? I mean, if a child calls you a father, wouldn't you just assume that it was so? His collection of honeymoon photo albums must have been housed in a very large museum. But here's the big problem. Solomon wasn't very particular about their religious affiliations. He married women who worshipped gods forbidden to the Israelites, and, by the way, they didn't convert to Judaism. Those wives stayed with their heathen gods, and they worshipped their heathen gods. Remember the people back in Leviticus who sacrificed their own children to Moloch? We find them in Leviticus 18.21 and Leviticus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. Well, hard to believe, but true, Solomon even built an altar to this God for one or more of his wives. He built altars to other pagan gods as well, just because he was in love. Verse 6 sums it up when it says, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. We see a condemnation by Nehemiah of Solomon's marrying practices in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 26, where it says there, Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him, who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. The Hebrew word there for outlandish in that verse means pagan. Interestingly enough, we don't have a record of Solomon ever marrying a Hebrew woman. Yeah, but I'm going to guess that out of a thousand wives and concubines, surely there had to be a Jewish woman in there somewhere. Although his successor to the throne was Rehoboam, and his mother was an Ammonite. And she, of course, was from the forbidden list of candidates. As a matter of fact, Solomon married Rehoboam's mother while King David was still on the throne of Israel. Rehoboam was 41 when he began to reign, according to 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21. 
Yet we're told in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 30, that Solomon reigned over Israel for 40 years. So Solomon's marriage violations began before he actually even became king of Israel. Now let's not sugarcoat this aspect of Solomon's life. His marrying practices did, in part, include a great many diplomatic marriages. In other words, kings often married the daughters of foreign kings in order to form a treaty with them and maintain diplomatic relations with those countries. However, there's no question that Solomon violated Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 17. That's a passage that specifically directs that future kings of Israel must not multiply wives. Moreover, God specifically directed Israel not to intermarry with those pagan cultures surrounding them in Canaan back in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. The reason? So as to not bring false religions into Israel. And as it turns out, that's exactly the result of Solomon's marrying practices, as we see in this very passage. Now we see in 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning with verse 9, that God raises up adversaries to Solomon. Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdoms, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake which I have chosen. And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was of the king's seat in Edom. For it came to pass when David was in Edom, and Joab the captain of the host was gone up to bury the slain, after he had smitten every male in Edom. For six months did Joab remain there with all Israel, until he had cut off every male in Edom. That Hadad fled, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, to go into Egypt, Hadad being a little child. And they arose out of Midian, and came to Paran, and they took men with them out of Paran, and they came to Egypt and to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, which gave him an house and appointed him victuals and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him to wife the sister of his own wife, the sister of Topanes, the queen. And the sister of Topanes bare him Genaboth, the son, whom Topanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Genaboth was in Pharaoh's household among the sons of Pharaoh. And when Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers, and that Joab the captain of the host was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart, that I may go to mine own country. Then Pharaoh said unto him, But what hast thou lacked with me, that, behold, thou seekest to go to thine own country? And he answered, Nothing, howbeit let me go in any wise. And God stirred him up another adversary, Rezon, the son of Eliada which fled from his lord at Hadad-Ezer, king of Zobah. And he gathered men unto him, and became captain over a band, when David slew them of Zobah, and they went to Damascus, and dwelt therein, and reigned in Damascus. And he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, beside the mischief that Hadad did, and he abhorred Israel, and reigned over Syria. Well, as we've read through the Old Testament, one thing should be abundantly clear. God hates pagan worship. 
This case is no different. Notice verse 9. It says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. Now, those two appearances were over in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, and 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 2. Because of this tolerance for pagan worship on Solomon's part, God raised up enemies against Solomon, one being Hadad the Edomite, in verse 14. Now, here's a decree from God to Solomon in verse 11. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. That's right. God even speaks to Solomon and tells him that after his reign, his kingdom will be split, and it's all because of Solomon's tolerance for paganism. That split of the kingdom of Israel into two takes place in 1 Kings chapter 12. Hadad's story is given in verses 14 to 22. Joab's execution of the Edomite men must have taken place during the period mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14. We aren't specifically told of any battles between this Hadad and Israel, but the mention of it in this passage, and specifically verse 25, would indicate that there were some. Then there's the specific mention in verse 23 of Rezon, the son of Eliada, which fled from his lord Hadad-Ezer, king of Zobah. This enemy rose up against Solomon as a result of David's battles in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14 as well. Then there's King Jeroboam. We find him in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 26 through 40. And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephrathite of Zerida, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman, even he lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breaches of the city of David his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah the Shalonite found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of the twelve tribes of Israel, because that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Melchim, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David his father. Howbeit I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose because he kept my commandment and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that which is right in my sight, 
to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. And I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. And Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt, unto Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Well, here's Jeroboam, and he had a really nice job with Solomon's government. But he was God's instrument for the punishment of Solomon. When Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took over the family business. That was the business of being the king, that is. However, God had told Jeroboam through the prophet Ahijah, up in verse 29, that he'd get ten of the eleven tribes. Now, you thought there were twelve tribes, didn't you? Well, remember Simeon? They didn't have a distinct territory of their own, but rather they received certain cities within the tribe of Judah. Now, Simeon just kind of blended in with Judah after a few centuries, basically leaving 11 tribes, though often still referred to as 12. Anyway, Solomon tried to have him killed after this prophecy, but Jeroboam escaped to Egypt. After Solomon's death, Rehoboam becomes the king over the southern kingdom, Judah, and Jeroboam becomes king over the northern kingdom, which was referred to as Israel. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 12. Now, I personally call them the Boam boys. Now, they really weren't related, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, uh, but it makes it easier for me to remember them when I just call them the Boam boys. Well, Jeroboam inherits from God his kingdom with some conditional promises attached to the deal. We see those conditions in verse 38. It says this, And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. Now, just for the record, Jeroboam didn't fulfill any of these conditions, not even from the very beginning of his reign. As a result, this same prophet Ahijah, two decades later, decrees that Jeroboam's dynasty will come to an end over in 1 Kings chapter 14. As a matter of fact, neither did any of Jeroboam's successors serve the God of Israel. All the kings of Israel, the northern kingdom, were evil, I mean evil, 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 and they all refused to seek after God. And then finally, as we read today's passage in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 41 through 43, this particular passage is paralleled in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 30 and 31. And here's the deal. Everybody dies. Well, at least back then they did. Verse 41. And the rest of the acts of Solomon and all that he did and his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over Israel was 40 years. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his stead. Now over to Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 30. And Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel forty years. And Solomon slept with his father, and he was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his stead. Well, he's immortal in our minds, but Solomon died after a forty-year rule. He accomplished much, and he left it all to his son Rehoboam. Rehoboam's mother was an Ammonite, according to 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 21. Now here's the question. 
Can Rehoboam hang on to what Solomon left him? Well, the answer is this. No, he can't. And it's all because his father Solomon had sinned before God. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletribe.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.